0: is the PFT PM podcast and now your host Mike Florio
1: tag day edition of the PFT PM podcast Tuesday 6th day of March the window is now closed PFT PM wide open I put the over under for franchise tags at five and a half we ended up with five now if we count Kyle Fuller of the Bears as a transition tag if that's a half then we're right on the push five and a half Does transition tag count as a half? Stats? Stats? Stats is never here when I want him. He's always here when I don't. He's like that person who is ready to bother you when you're browsing. Have I said this before? He's the person who's ready to bother you when you're browsing at a store. And he's the clerk that can be found nowhere when you actually need help. LaMarcus Joyner of the Rams was tagged on Tuesday, Ziggy Ansah of the Lions previously tagged, Jarvis Landry of the Dolphins tagged on the first day, Le'Veon Bell of the Steelers tagged today, DeMarcus Lawrence of the Cowboys tagged on Monday, transition tag Tuesday for Kyle Fuller, and that presented the Bears with a bit of a conundrum. First round draft pick in 2013, wait, 14 get my years mixed up, 14, 15, 16, 17, didn't pick up the fifth year option for 2018. He had a solid contract year. What do you do? And the transition tag locks you in at a lower base salary for 2018. And it basically invites someone else to negotiate his long-term deal. And I think that the, the belief in that regard, the theory, the strategy would be that when you put him out there after he's had a strong contract year, but he wasn't great before that. Maybe no teams will be interested in giving him big money on the open market. But whatever offer sheet is signed by Kyle Fuller, the Bears would have five days to match it. One offer sheet signed, five days to match, no compensation if he leaves. Joyner was one of two candidates for the tag in Los Angeles. Now, The Rams are going to let Sammy Watkins hit the open market. They still could re-sign him. They still technically have exclusive rights to negotiate with him, but we all know what goes on this time of year. Watkins agents surely have gauged the market, surely have an idea of what's out there. During the two-day window that starts next Monday, the 12th of March, that's when offers can officially be fielded. Deals in principle can be negotiated to completion, but anyone can back out, as we saw a couple of years ago when Frank Gore bailed on a deal in principle with the Eagles and landed with the Colts. He probably wishes in hindsight he'd would he gone with the Eagles. Gore continues to be a fascinating free agent option for me because he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. He's played in a Super Bowl, and he still brings it. He had his injury issues early in his career. Who would have ever dreamed he'd have lasted this long? And I tend to think he's got one good year left in him. If he thinks he does, I'm not disagreeing with him. Jarvis Landry, the Dolphins franchise tag player. We saw the reports last weekend that he's going to sign it early this week. I checked on that this morning. My understanding is he's told the team he's going to sign it. He's accepted it via email, I believe, but he's yet to officially sign it. Now, that may be a distinction without a difference, but he's yet to officially sign it, and it was attributed to logistical issues when I inquired about it earlier today. I don't think there's anything going on there. But remember the big to-do that people made about Number one, is he going to sign it? Number two, who gets credit for reporting it when 20 people had reported it? Ultimately, will he not sign it? Could the Dolphins decide to rescind it if they can't strike an acceptable trade and they don't want to be saddled with what ultimately is $15.9 million in cap obligations under the franchise tender for receivers? The Jaguars did not tag Allen Robinson, either franchise or transition. He'll hit the open market. And again, with him, the question is, how good will he be? Even if he's healthy, which guy is he? 2015, he had 1,400 receiving yards. 2016, he was down around five or 600. And he was healthy most of the year, at least healthy enough to play. Last year, torn ACL week one. Is he healthy, and which guy are you getting? I think Robinson should want to do a short-term deal to prove himself, and then if he can hit the market, cash in, do a deal with an agreement that you can't be franchise or transition tagged next year, one-year deal, prove yourself, hit the market again. No quarterbacks tagged. Plenty of quarterbacks available. Deepest class of free agent quarterbacks ever. Now, Drew Brees, by contract, couldn't have been tagged. Kirk Cousins, as a practical matter, it was cost prohibitive and Kirk Cousins would have had a very strong grievance to file against Washington if they'd tried to tag him because they clearly didn't intend to employ him at $34.47 million. And all those team-oriented blogs out there that were all over my ass when I was saying it would be stupid to tag him, they're not going to tag him, and they kept insisting that they would tag him and that they had every right to tag him, I'm just glad they didn't tag him. I'm not one to say I told you so, but... Case Keenum was not tagged by the Vikings, franchise or transition, not a surprise. You're looking at $20 million under the transition tag. He'd sign that in a heartbeat. Guy got $2 million last year. You give him 10 times what he made last year, sign it in a heartbeat. The question is, can they sign him now in competition with others? And I look around, who wants him? If Pat Shermer had gone to the Cardinals as the head coach, then yeah, that's where Keenum would likely go. Keenum going to the Giants, what are they going to pay him? Eli Manning's a starter. Do they want that mess? No. The Jets, if they don't get Kirk Cousins, I think the Jets are going to get Kirk Cousins. I'm starting to get a gut feeling that's where this is going because I think the Jets are going to offer enough more than other teams will offer to allow Cousins to justify going to New York. And he'll say, well, nobody really knows what team is going to win or not win, and the Jets seem to be interested, and you know he'll go meet with them, and he'll say that it feels like they've got the right attitude and the right atmosphere, and they can compete with the Patriots, and blah, 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 give me my money. Bobby, give me my money. If you get that reference, you get a free subscription to the PFTPM Podcast Lifetime. Have I talked about everybody who's been tagged? A couple of guys signed long-term deals in lieu of being tagged. Matt Bryant, Graham Gano. There was one other kicker, too. A couple of weeks ago, I think. And yes, kickers can be franchise tagged. For a while, it was a smart strategy because it wasn't all that expensive to tie them up for one year. Now we're seeing the threat of the tag become the leverage to do a long-term contract. At least as long-term as any kicker contract ever is. And a lot of people don't like the franchise tag. Look, the NFLPA agreed to it back in 1993 when they resolved the antitrust lawsuit that was filed in 1987 or thereabouts after the strike failed. See, what happened was the strike failed, the union decertified or disclaimed interest, whatever the official term is, and then the rules That the NFL would apply to non unionized employees became antitrust violations. That lawsuit became the leverage and the hammer for what became the, the new system. And the franchise tag, part of it. And the franchise tag, some would say unfair to players because it's star players that suffer. And if you don't let star players hit the open market, what happens is the market never gets as high as it should. It never goes to the levels that it could because you don't have that feeding frenzy, I'm still convinced that even if the best players in the league made it to the open market, there would still be budgetary restraint exercised, in other words, collusion. Maybe maybe Jerry Jones would go crazy, but the thing is you still have to worry about the salary cap. Look at the Cowboys right now. They've got Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott under slotted rookie wage deals, and they're still having cap problems. What's, what's going to happen when they have Prescott and Elliott under their second contracts? See, when you have a hard salary cap, do you really need the franchise tag? That's the question. The problem is because the franchise tag was collectively bargained, if the players association wants to get rid of it, they're going to have to give something else up. We talked about this today on PFT Live. The average player doesn't care about the franchise tag. It doesn't affect them. So they're not going to give anything up that would affect them in exchange for the franchise tag. You almost have to find something else That applies to the best players and the quid pro quo be restricted to the people at the top. So franchise tag goes away. Something else that only benefits the best players is bargained for in exchange. And I can't think of anything up the top of my head. I think the franchise tag is here to stay. It's been here to stay for 25 years now. All right. That's all I really wanted to talk about today. I can't think of any other major developments. The franchise tag is the big deal. I posted something earlier about Teddy Bridgewater. A lot of people get triggered about Teddy Bridgewater. A lot of people like Teddy Bridgewater. Bottom line is, I, I like him too, but who's going to entrust him to be a starter? And and who's going to sign him to the kind of contract that would foreclose drafting a guy in round one? I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be Mike Glennon this year if he signs ostensibly as a starter. I see that Alden Smith turned himself into police. I thought he was in rehab. That's what his fiance said. Now he has turned himself in. There was an arrest warrant, domestic violence incident. Bottom line is, if Alton Smith ever plays again in the NFL, I'll be shocked. I already would have been shocked. I'll be beyond shocked. I need a word stronger than shocked. Ed Hockley and Jeff Triplett retiring. People don't like individual officials. Is there anyone out there who really, really likes one official? Is there one official who isn't polarizing in any way? I don't think there's any official that we collectively like. Ben Dreyf, maybe, for his, he's given him the business call. But that's 30 years later. People probably hated him at the time. It's a tough job. It's a thankless job. I don't know why anybody wants to do it. Why would you want to do that? You're either going to be, I mean, no one loves you. I guess that's what it is. It's not polarization. It's like Roger Goodell. Either you hate him or you don't care. For most of these officials, you either hate him or you don't care. I think people kind of liked Ed Hockley because he had a little style, but my God, could you could you could you wrap it up, Ed? Could you make your point and move on? I'm sure some of you feel that way about me. If you do, why are you listening? I mean maybe it's a hate listen. Hey, either way you're listening. Thank you for listening, even if you're listening because you hate me. I don't hate you. Ed Hockley's been trending all day. How do you, how do you feel if you're Jeff Triplett? Triplett's not trending. Hockley is. Doesn't that make him like Farrah Fawcett, right? Farrah Fawcett Michael Jackson died the same day. Nobody remembers Farrah Fawcett died. It wasn't as big of a deal because Michael Jackson died the same day. Jeff Triplett's Farrah Fawcett. It's been, what, that's been seven years. That's not inappropriate stats, is it? Stats? All right. Time to answer some questions. At recliner QB, since spring has sprung here in the Dallas area, what are your favorite springtime activities once the weather gets nice? Gardening, hiking, I know you do your annual fishing trip. I do. What else do you do besides PFT, PFT PM whiskey and cigars? I don't do much. I really don't. I like to hang out in the barn with my family members and some close friends. I like to hang out and watch TV and shows on Netflix and movies with my wife. I what else? I like to play Madden while I work out. My life is kind of pathetic. I like to read. I like to read nonfiction. I'm working on Outliers now. I started Outliers several years ago, and I was reading it on the plane. And when I got to the chapter about plane crashes, I thought, maybe it's a good idea to stop. So now I'm not in flying season, so I started it over again. It's a fascinating book. I highly recommend it. Outliers. It's about 10 years old. It's worth the read. It explains how successful people find success, and there's a lot of factors other than innate ability that go into it. It's eye-opening, and it's great because a lot of the stuff that Malcolm Gladwell writes about in Outliers, it's fairly obvious, but it's not obvious. Like, once he explains it, it's like, yeah, yeah, all right. I wish I would have thought of that. Hard work and luck. Hard work and luck. So much more important than inherent ability. Inherent ability is part of it. And I think my own weird backward ass story that got me in a position where I'm not working for a living and have a TV show a radio show and own a website that does fairly well, especially in an era of intense competition, there was a lot of luck involved, a lot of just stupid dumb shit, like dumb domino falling luck. Some of it professional, some of it personal, some of it just being in the right place at the right time. Just a weird, convoluted set of facts that if you change one, maybe this thing never happens. Maybe I'm still grinding away practicing law, which I enjoyed. There were days that I dreaded it. There were days that were difficult. There were days where I got home at the end of the day and felt like I had the crap kicked out of me. But it was rewarding, and I miss it sometimes. But boy, I wouldn't trade what I'm doing now for anything. And I never could have planned it, never would have planned it. Never, I mean, when you're a kid in the seventies, you can't even envision this stuff that we do. I would have never, I remember at one point I wanted to be a comedy writer, which made no sense whatsoever. I read Mad Magazine all the time and I wanted to be one of those guys like Al Jaffe. And what was that guy's name? God, Al Jaffe did, I think he did Does he do the snappy answers to stupid questions? It might explain why I'm a bit of a smartass. I love those. And there was the guy who did the the comic strips, the lighter side of this, the lighter side of that. I got a bunch of Mad Magazines floating around here. I got to pull one out and take a look at it. Spy versus spy. You know, I understand there's a certain percentage of you that don't know what the hell I'm talking about right now, but Mad Magazine was a great, great... And then there was Cracked, and Cracked was like the... The, the stupid little poor brother to Mad Magazine. Like, I remember getting cracked once thinking, hey, this is like doubling my universe of funny magazines to read. And it's like, yeah. Was it Dan Martin? Was that the guy's name? The lighter side of... God. Boy, I want to end this now so I can go pull out some Mad Magazines and go down memory lane. Probably not nearly as good as you remember. And they had those movie satires that were in comic strip form and they would change the names of things. And sometimes it felt a little bit forced like I think Rocky Balboa was the Italian Scallion, which was actually kind of funny. But they did that with movies. They would take a popular movie and they would satirize it in a comic strip form and they would change the names for something that was kind of kind of humorous. And a lot of times it was really humorous. And sometimes it was like, yeah, you're trying too hard. I'm trying too hard. Here we go. Uh, so basically, to answer your question, recliner QB, boy, I got 62 questions. And I'm stuck on number one. I really don't do much of anything. I really don't. I'm very boring. As you can tell. Another one from at Recliner QB. As you said on yesterday's PFTPM, the Cowboys need to strike now while Dak and Zeke's contracts are manageable, but they have cap issues. How do they clean up the cap while doing enough to take advantage of the quarterback running back contracts? Can they do both? I think they can. I think they need to <sighs> I think they need to seriously think about Des Bryant. I mean you gotta just trim the fat. You can't hold on to guys because you like them. Jerry Jones as the owner and GM, I think he has guys he likes and he holds on to them longer than he should. You got to make hard decisions. You got to rip the name off the back of the jersey. You got to trust your process when it comes to drafting replacements. So there's a way to do it. But man, once they pay Dak, once they pay Elliott, they're going to have a mess. And the best they can hope for is to get Elliott and Prescott to maybe not insist on market value so they can continue to be associated with America's team and make a lot of money off the field. See, that's the argument. Now, Elliot, he's got other issues that will keep him from making money off the field. But Prescott already cashing in. He's got his yogurt gig. Prescott can be the starting quarterback of America's team, and maybe he's more likely to be on the Tom Brady side of the F.U. pay me spectrum than Peyton Manning. At Huba Stank or at Harold Wiggins, a.k.a. Hoopa Stank, who's my favorite actor, favorite actress. I don't really think of it in those terms. Like, I don't watch a movie because there's someone who's in it that I really like. I mean, I want to watch a movie because it's good. I don't care who's in it. If it's good, it could be anybody. I just want to be entertained. I want to have movies that are thought-provoking, that are not cliched, that lead you in one direction and yank you the other way. And that make you think when it's over. And that you think about the next day. Whether it makes you happy, whether it makes you sad, whatever. You think about it the next day. And it doesn't matter to me who's acting in it. Although one of my all-time favorites, I really like Michael Clayton. I'll watch that at least once a year. I love the scene when George Clooney confronts Tilda Swinton on the upstairs lobby outside the conference rooms at the Hilton on... 54th and 6th. I've been there before. Like one of my first years with NBC, they did the upfronts in that conference room, big giant ballroom. And I that, that, it's very familiar out in that hallway. When he confronts her and he's giving it to her and he says, I'm not the guy you kill, I'm the guy you buy, and I'm not negotiating. Just, that, that's great. I could watch that scene on, on, what do you call it? Repeat over and over again. But that doesn't make George Clooney my favorite actor. Although I liked him in Michael Clayton. I liked him in Burn After Reading. I liked him in The Facts of Life. I don't remember him in The Facts of Life. I never watched The Facts of Life. At Carp Deasy, what quarterback could the Saints sign if Drew Brees doesn't return? Well, you know, that's the thing. You want to get this figured out with Brees because maybe you go get Case Keenum. Maybe you go get A.J. McCarron. There's a guy that they like, and I don't have his name in front of me. He plays special teams, and he's really, really fast. And they kind of like him. I don't know that he'd be the guy who would be plugged in. But there are other guys out there if Breeze for some reason, leaves. Now, there's no reason to think Breeze is going to leave at this point, other than the fact that he doesn't have a contract. Other than that, other than the fact that the guy is eight days away from the start of free agency without a contract, other than that one minor fact, there's no reason to think that Drew Brees won't be back with the Saints in 2018. Chase Daniel also on the roster. Is it Garrett Grayson? No, it's not Garrett Grayson. There's another quarterback. I'm looking at the record and fact book from last year, and I'm scrolling down here through the list of players, and I don't see him. He's a quarterback who played some special teams this year, and they really, really like him. But again, I don't think he's ready to be the team's quarterback. But they could go in a bunch of different directions. They just need to know what Breeze is going to do. No reason to think he won't be back again but for the fact that he do not have a contract. At J-Ireland 80, Shaquem Griffin was one of the is one of the best stories of the draft. Do you think he'll get drafted? Wouldn't it be better for him not to be drafted than pick a team to sign with that needs linebackers that uses a lot of linebackers, a team that runs a 3-4? It's always better if you're drafted late to not be drafted because then you can pick your destination. I think he'll be drafted. Remember that Moritz Boringer, the receiver from Germany? The Vikings actually pissed away a sixth-round pick on that guy. Where's he now? Good stories sometimes get drafted. And Shaquem Griffin, I was talking about this, God, I can't remember where. When you do, I did like three or four radio spots today. I did PFT Live. I don't think it was on PFT Live. It doesn't matter. The point's this. When you have somebody in the locker room who's going to be pissing and moaning about this, that, or the other thing, and you got a guy with one hand, that tends to shut guys up who want to complain about getting a flat tire on the way to work. And it's inspirational to see what a guy can do with only one hand. I think there's a lot of value. And he's justifying his draft spot by running a 43840, by bench pressing 225 pounds 20 times with one hand. Amazing story. Great story. At Jarland 80, again, Goodell has taken on two of the big name owners in, Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones. Do the lesser known owners like that about Goodell, or is it going to cost Goodell his job eventually? it's not costing him a job eventually. He's got a contract for five years and 200 million. He's good to go. Now, what happens is when you take on a big name owner at the behest of other owners, then you're in very well with those other owners. And the thinking is with Deflate Gate, there were owners who were upset about Spygate not being enough of a punishment of the Patriots. So Goodell was cajoled to take a chunk out of the Patriots' rear end, and he did. And this Jerry Jones thing, the way I hear it, it was other owners that wanted Jones to be punished. I still don't know why Goodell declined to step aside from this. He's got a clear conflict of interest. He's got the power to delegate and designate the appeal authority to someone else, and he didn't. It tells me that he just wants to finish the job. He's got owners who are telling him, look, we gave you this contract. We want you to take $2 million out of Jerry Jones' pocket. And you're going to do it. Now, I, it may not be that direct, but he's smart enough to read between the lines and get the message and know what his mandate is. And I'm pretty sure his mandate is to get that two million plus in legal fees. Even though Jerry Jones, if someone neutral were hearing this, would have some compelling arguments as to why he shouldn't have to pay. But that doesn't matter in the court of Big Shield. At Frank Wags, why do you suck? We don't have enough time to list all the answers, Frank, but. Uh, I do, apparently, so thank you for your question. At Apple123, Apple11, if you could interview the draft prospects with three questions, what would you ask them if you were a coach? Uh, That's a good question, and I'm saying that to buy time. I would want to ask them something that isn't inappropriate, but that completely throws them off guard and busts through the facade, breaks through that, that shell that they bring in with their pre-programmed and rehearsed answers to questions. I want to get to the guy. And, you know, you hear all the gimmicks, staring contest and all the, every year there's some ridiculous question that was asked. I just want to get to the guy and I don't want cliches and I don't want filibusters. I want to get through to the human and it's hard to do it in 15 minutes. I think part of it would be, let him go ahead and And recite his lines. Let's see how he does. Let's see if it's convincing. Or let's see if it just comes off as smarmy Eddie Haskell bullshit. At Andrew Yeh, have you seen Icarus, the Netflix documentary on doping that won an Oscar? Do you think the NFL takes the potential threat of professional and sophisticated doping programs a la Lance Armstrong and the Russian Olympic program? Seriously, I don't. I haven't seen it yet. I look forward to watching it. It's on my list. You just made the list, buddy. But... Barstool Big Cat, our good friend from, pardon my take, he guest-hosted a couple of days of PFT Live last summer in the slow time, and he had a great take. You never see a star NFL player get busted for PEDs. It's always somebody who's on the fringe. Maybe a starter, but not a star. Lane Johnson, it ain't going to be anybody who's a star player. How many big-time fantasy caliber guys get suspended for peds and remember when they put in hgh testing they dragged their feet and dragged their feet and dragged their feet did they drag their feet to put in hgh testing until people had moved on to something else or they had come up with a better way to avoid it you know when they bust somebody they say busting someone is proof that the system works but just because you busted someone doesn't mean there aren't plenty of other people getting away with it. it just means this person was dumb enough to get caught And I don't think we care. You know, for as much as people care about concussions in football, baseball gets the PED stigma. It just stuck to baseball and it never stuck to football. We look at those guys. We look at those bodies. We look at the pounding they take. And I think we assume at some level, well, they got to be doing something pharmacological to allow that to happen. We just don't get bent out of shape about it. Maybe we should. And, you know, one of the unspoken theories And I think what would have been one of the defenses if the concussion lawsuit had gone forward and not been settled, the interaction between steroids, PEDs, and head injuries. And does players who are using PEDs, do they set themselves up for greater and more significant damage to their brains when they do encounter the The inevitable hits that happen when they play football. Never really got that far. Maybe it was a scare tactic. I don't know, but it's always kind of been out there. And I think that would not be good for the NFL if that ever came to fruition, because ultimately it underscores that the the NFL does have a lingering PED problem, but we've kind of assumed that for 40 years. And it doesn't really bother anybody. At Mr. Dan Channel, can a team sign Kirk Cousins then trade him? Yes, they can, but why? Why would you? Four teams, one him, one team gets him, and then that team says, "Hey, to the other three, why don't you come trade for him?" I I think he would have just signed with that team in the first place. And if you're gonna trade a starting quarterback, he better be all in. He better be ready to go. So no no point in signing a guy as a free agent and then immediately trading him. He'll just sign with that team right out of the gates. And and you you confuse your fan base and you set yourself up for criticism. It just looks stupid. It looks it looks weird. So th- in theory, yes, as a practical matter, I'd be shocked if they did. At recliner QB, looking at Wade Phillips and his amazing success as a defensive coordinator in every stop he's made, and even as a head coach, he's always had a strong defense, plus how he makes the players he is given, regardless of past performance and people's opinions, he turns them into a top five defense every year. Is he the best defensive coordinator ever? I still say Bill Belichick, because he went from being a great defensive coordinator, the masterful game plan in Super Bowl 25, where he convinced the Giants to let Thurman Thomas gain more than 100 rushing yards, because that was going to slow down the gun offense, It's still Bill Belichick, because he was a good enough defensive coordinator to become a great head coach, and then he was a great enough head coach that he didn't have to repeatedly go back and be a defensive coordinator. But Wade Phillips is in the conversation. Wade Phillips, Dick LeBeau. I'd have to think about it a little bit more so I'm not missing anybody, and it would be more focused on recent times, but Wade Phillips definitely in the conversation. Oh, Roaring R Austria. Don't know if I missed it, but did you look up whether or not there's offset language for the fifth year option? I still haven't. I'm sorry. Let me make another note to do it. I appreciate the persistence. Is there offset language in fifth year option? All right. This time I'll do it. At Roaring R. Austria, again, if the CBA is, as you mentioned, clear on tolling contracts of players on PUP and Bridgewater now hits free agency, nevertheless, shouldn't the Vikings be penalized for stashing him on PUP? You know, that's a great question. And that gets to the point that came up after an arbitrator found that the Bengals improperly put A.J. McCarron on the non-football injury list, and the NFL said, well, no, we agreed with the The Bengals position. I think it's possible the league could agree with the Vikings' decision to put Bridgewater on the pup list, but not want to fight again with an arbitrator, whether or not it was properly done. Sometimes the NFL, after it's been beaten in a legal type proceeding, the NFL chooses its next one carefully. It wants to get a win. It's now lost two in a row. McCarran and the Martellus Bennett grievance over his signing bonus. So I think that that has as much of a factor as whether or not the NFL thinks that the Vikings engaged in shenanigans. And, oh, guess what? Plenty of teams engage in shenanigans when it comes to the PUP list and NFI. At Get Mitch, what did you think of the Big J Combine with the PMT guys? Would you do it again next year? I thought it was kind of, I don't know, frustrating because I sucked at it. I didn't take it seriously, which explains why I finished last. I, I it's just funny, it just they're funny. They come up with funny things, and they ask me to do something, and I do it just because I, I like them and I like to help them out, and I just have fun when I'm hanging out with them. You know, they're, they're funny, they're witty, and uh, yeah, you know, some of the stuff a little goofy. I always thought they were messing with me, so I went into it like, where's the where's the banana in the tailpipe on this activity? Where's the scam? Where's the twist? on on that one and I uh I I would have done better if I would have taken it seriously I never take them seriously I should have taken it seriously maybe I wouldn't have finished last I think I finished last I think Robert Klemko still had to go after me but I I think I was safely in last place at LG Suarez with the trade of Peters the revamping of the defense and the public comments of GM Brett Feesh promising to be more aggressive in the offseason who would you try to get on defense in free agency and or would you who would you be scouting if you were the Chiefs, Chiefs fan and PFT nerd? There's a lot there to process. Look, I think that Brett Veach wants to go younger and faster and cheaper on both sides of the ball. And I don't envision many gigantic market value splashes from the Chiefs. I think they trust their drafting. They think they have something special in Patrick Mahomes. Their defense was not good last year. Now, maybe it will be better when Eric Berry's back this year. But I think Veach's theme is going to be younger, faster, cheaper. Younger, faster, cheaper. And they may be a team that would exercise restraint in the first wave of free agency and then go bargain shopping after the big-name players get the big contracts in the first few days. That Terry Gensler, 14, what do you make of this? Foles traded to Buffalo. Case Keenum stays in Minnesota. Cousins signs with the Jets. And A.J. McCarron signs with Cleveland. I like the last three. I don't think Foles is what the Bills are looking for. I think the Bills have it in their mind that they're going to trade those two first-round picks plus more. They have 21 and 22. They're going to trade those two picks plus more to go get a young franchise quarterback and hope he becomes their next Jim Kelly. With Nick Foles, there's a donut hole out there. His time with the Rams and the Chiefs. Who's he going to be if you bring him to your town? Is he going to be the guy that we saw in December and January? Well, in January? Or is he going to be the guy that we saw in St. Louis, in Kansas City? The guy we saw against the Raiders on Christmas night, lackluster. They almost blew the number one overall seed. So I'd be very concerned about that. And whatever draft picks I'd be asked to give up for Nick Foles, I'd rather just use those picks on young, cheap guys and hope that they hit. At and y'all, 32 how do you feel about sports betting in West Virginia if PASPA gets passed? Uh, well, I know that Rob Manford, the Major League Baseball commissioner, is pissed off because West Virginia doesn't want to give a 1% handling fee. And they can cite all the other things about protecting kids and ensuring, you know, responsible betting. They don't give a shit about that. They give a shit about their 1%. They want their peace. All that other stuff is just political BS aimed at getting people behind their position. Legalized betting is coming. And what the major sports should be doing is working with Congress to have a national law. The problem is a national law that tells states what they can and can't do. That's got the same potential defects as the law from 1990 that says you can't expand sports betting beyond the states that had it between 1976 and 1990 I think the law was from 1992 the window to get grandfathered in was 76 to 90 or something convoluted like that so they were able to carve out Nevada and and let them continue so I don't know that a federal law would even work state by state they're going to have to hope for what they can get and some states may say screw you we're not giving you one percent your gain is the fact that more people will be interested in your sport because they'll be gambling on it legally. At Terry against the 14, what do you make of the rumors that Philadelphia is shopping defensive backs for draft picks due to their depth? If Patrick Robinson walks, do they really have much depth? Well, they got Sidney Jones, who would have been a first-round pick last year, didn't do much this year because of that torn Achilles. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, because if you can unload, I think, cap space, if you can flip cap space, and you're confident the guys you have can step in at a lower number, and you get younger, cheaper guys... That's how you build a team that's going to be consistently successful over the long haul. And every year, you've got to be willing to spot those guys that are making too much money, rip the name off the back of the jersey, and move on. At Recliner QB, lots of questions from Recliner QB today. What's your favorite season taking football, NFL related activities out of consideration? If there was no football or sports, what time of year would you enjoy the most? Man, I like summertime. I like summertime because I like grilling steaks, burgers, and hot dogs out on my patio. I like getting in my pool and not really swimming, just hanging out. I like it when it's daylight until 930. I like being outside, drinking a beer, smoking a cigar in the open air. On a cool night, we got a fire pit. So summertime, without question, summertime. You know, the snow and all that stuff, you can take that. I mean, look, if it's going to be cold, it may as well be snowy from time to time. And it looks nice. Summertime, without question. At Bruce Monholan, is A.J. McCarron better than advertised? Jimmy G., for example, the Broncos could build around McCarron. Look, I think McCarron's more proven than Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo has seven starts in his career, none of which were consequential. McCarron started three December games During a playoff push, he took the Broncos on a Monday night to overtime in a game that would have kept the Broncos from getting a bye week, would have given the Bengals a potential bye, and then McCarron did everything in his power to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs. I think McCarron is more proven under pressure than Garoppolo. The issue with McCarron and Garoppolo, though, is this. When they are the week-in, week-out starting quarterbacks, will they be able to adjust once there's enough film on them? to allow defenses to take away what they do best. Can you move on from plan A to plan B, C, D, etc. once they figure out what you do best? And I asked Kyle Shanahan about that last week. He said, if you're a pure pocket passer and they take away your A option and you're good at reads, you're going to find plan B, plan C, plan D. They can take away what they think is going to be plan A, but if you're good in the pocket, you're going to find whoever's open eventually at Bored to Death, who's the better litigator, you or Ed Hockley? I don't know anything about Ed Hockley's litigation skills, so I don't know. I've I've been retired from that for nine years. I I wonder if Hockley's stepping away because they were putting the squeeze on him to become full-time and he doesn't want to give up his law practice. That was the first guy I thought of when I saw that they were going to start doing that. Making guys choose. Full-time officials or full-time in that other thing you do. And... That other thing he does may be more financially lucrative than officiating, and maybe he just decided it was time to move on and it gave his son an opportunity to step up. And, you know, I guess it just made sense. At Wongaloo Adrian, smart for the Eagles to use Nick Foles to trade way up in the draft from 32 into the top ten. I don't know that I don't I don't know that a team in the top ten is gonna say we'll take the 32nd overall pick and Nick Foles. I'm still having a hard time finding a real market, a first-round level market for Nick Foles. I think the Eagles, I think the Eagles who who played the game and won with Sam Bradford two years ago, I think at least for now they're playing the game. Now, I think at some point they owe it to Nick Foles to allow him to get a reward for what he did last year and trading him to a team that would then pay him more than the $7 million he's due to make this year would be part of that. I just don't think the market for Foles is what they're making it out to be. I think there's some huffing and puffing going on. And at some point, they're going to have to deal with Foles agents who say he deserves to go somewhere else. He deserves to move on. And then there's that looming possibility, and Chris Sims and I talked about it on PFT Live today, that if Foles plays week one because Carson Wentz isn't ready and Foles plays well and wins that Thursday night opener when they celebrate the Super Bowl that Foles won, who starts week two? And if Foles plays well week two and wins, who starts week three? And at what point does it become a foregone conclusion that Foles is the starter? That's what I would need to worry about if I were the Eagles. And also, Carson Wentz pushing too hard to get back for week one. Does he overdo it? Is he worried about Foles? He can say whatever he wants. He'll say all the right things. Deep down, does he want to ensure that Foles doesn't get the chance to take the job essentially by default? At the real 4-0 with how it has hindered the Seahawks a few years later, the Vikings better off not signing all their pieces to big money deals or circumstances different because Rick Spielman and Rob Brzezinski are geniuses with managing the cap. I don't think they've yet to get to the point in Minnesota where they have a bunch of guys making top-of-the-market money, good deals, but not like ridiculous top-of-the-market deals. After you win a Super Bowl, I think it's, it's harder to not pay your guys. I think the Vikings have managed the cap well. They've drafted well. They've had some blunders, but you're always going to have blunders. If you don't have busts, you're not drafting players. But I, I think the Vikings have done okay. But I think that's why they're not inclined to go all in for Kirk Cousins. You could keep Case Keenum and maybe Teddy Bridgewater for several million less per year than what it would cost to have Kirk Cousins as your starter. At Paul PJ 5 he tweets a picture of these leaked Jaguars uniforms. They sure look plausible. Black on black with teal numbers, I like that. White on white with black numbers. Teal on teal with black numbers. And what I like the best, you know what I like the best, one color helmet. I don't care what color it is. It could be chartreuse, and I don't even know what color chartreuse is. I just know it's a color. It could be magenta. It could be sienna. As long as it's one color, I'll be happy. At Terry Gensler 14, when Carson Wentz said he would not change his playing style, it was in local Philly radio. Do you think maybe he was just easing the minds of local fans who were worried he won't come back with the same abilities? Surely he'll be more aware of the consequences of recklessness. I I think, if anything, if you want to make the locals happy, you say, yeah, I've learned from this and I'm going to be more careful with my body. That extra five yards isn't worth the risk of an injury that puts him on the sidelines for the rest of the year. And are you truly a franchise quarterback if you're not able to play? uh, Look, that's a key ingredient, and I know Tom Brady missed a full season with a torn ACL. That was a fluke. That wasn't a product of a reckless playing style. If you play recklessly, and this was a big criticism I had of Mike Vick and RG3, if you're embracing contact, you're going to get hurt, and if you're not able to play, then that's a problem, and that keeps you from becoming as good as you can be. At Cardboard Chuck, can you and PA on the mic, that's Paul Allen of KFAN, Voice of the Vikings, do a weekly show or podcast. I'm on his show every week. We did a podcast in the 2016 season. It was just a pain in the ass to schedule it. Pain in the ass. So I, uh, I'd like to do it, but it, I'm trying to make something out of this PFTPM podcast for now, and I can do it whenever I'm available. I don't have to worry about when he's available. At the Impact 99, how likely is it that the Baltimore will take a quarterback in the draft or sign a younger backup this year? They have to start thinking about life without Joe Flacco because, number one, he hasn't been great in recent, recent years, and, and, and they can they can support him all they want. They have to support him verbally because financially it would be crippling if they were to try to move on from him. I'm trying to pull up his, his contract information here. I think there's still some big cap hits because of the big contract he signed in 2013 and the restructuring they did a couple of years ago here we go dead money right now 28.75 million if they would move on from him next year it's 16 million now next year potentially they could cut him take the full 16 or split it 8 million and 8 million but for now it would be a significant cap hit to move on but i don't see a problem with with maybe if there's a quarterback you like that you can pick up in a later round i don't i don't have a problem with the idea of drafting him and, and maybe, maybe developing him into somebody who could end up being a successful option for you down the road. God, I almost lost my spot here. I hate when I do that at recliner QB. Is Florio Jr. still planning to take the PFT reins when I step down? Here's the thing. I'm not planning to step down anytime soon. I think I got, I don't know. I've been doing this 17 years. I got at least 20 more years if I live that long. That takes me to 72. Man, that's friggin' depressing. I Look, Gil Grant just turned 85, and he's still going strong. How, how old was, God, I've already forgotten his name, Vince Scully when he stopped? I don't plan on stopping. So I'd love for him to work with me, but, you know, he may be prying the keyboard out of my cold, dead hands, and hopefully that won't happen for a while. But it's a family-owned business. Who knows what this business is going to look like in 30 years, 25 years, 20 years, who knows? But if it's still viable, and if he's interested, if he wants to do it, then he can do it. If not, he can sell it. Or, I don't know, I got nephews. I got other family members coming up through the pipeline. Maybe they'll get interested. We'll try to keep it in the family one way or the other. At, who's next? Sham God. With parens, no collusion, firmly embedded in our lexicon, do we have an update on Kaepernick's case and potentially what he could financially gain if he wins? I think the question is with the concept that there is no collusion firmly embedded. Do we have an update on Kaepernick? Look, I haven't heard anything recently. I think that they're very happy with the text messages and emails that they've harvested. And I think they believe that that evidence supports their theory of the case, whether or not their theory of the case, which is basically... Their idea for how the facts fit together and how the law of collusion would apply. If that flies, if that holds water, then they may be able to win. But it's not nearly as impossible as people think. It doesn't require proof of 32 owners secretly meeting and deciding this is what they're going to do. The league office is the conduit of the collusion. The league office is telling teams what they should and shouldn't do. That's the argument that they'll put forward and we'll see if it sticks. At AGM only six, if the reported three years, 91 fully guaranteed for Cousins is indeed on the table for Minnesota. What does this do for quarterback contracts going forward? Will we see more short-term fully guaranteed deals? First of all, I, I think that this report's not credible. It's it's not credible. Three years, 91 million. Why wouldn't you insist on year four and five if you're going to give a guy 30 million a year over the first three years? I don't buy this one. I don't buy it. So we'll see. If he sides with the Vikings for three years, 91 million, then, then I was wrong. But if you're going to offer three years, $91 million to Kirk Cousins, I'd offer it to Drew Brees instead. All right. I probably should wrap this up. 45 minutes long enough. Even longer than oh yeah, 45, 47, 50. I'm I'm, scroll, I'm at the point now where I'm scrolling to see if there's one that really jumps out at me. And I'm buying time as I scroll and scroll. Uh, there was a question about Kirk Cousins being tagged by Washington. Obviously that didn't happen. Another question question about my PMT Big J Combine performance. Not happy with it. Where's Case Keenum playing next season from at Air Force B75? I have a feeling it's going to be the Vikings. At Jacob Wilson 90, didn't the Saints say they would have a deal with Drew Brees by the Combine? What do you think is going on? They didn't say that. There was a report that they were going to talk parameters at the Combine. I said if they didn't have a deal after the Combine, we have to start taking more seriously the possibility they won't be a Saint. But everyone involved continues to say, he'll be a saint, he'll be a saint, he'll be a saint. Now, Drew Brees has been silent. The last time I checked, and I'm going to check right now, Drew Brees uh, said four different times he intends to stay with the Saints, but he hadn't said anything at all on social media for a while. I think it's entirely possible that he was given some advice. Just lay low for now. Here he is, last message, February 17, nothing since then. So I think he's testing the Saints. I think he wants to see if the Saints will take advantage of his open desire to stay with the team and lowball him. And if they lowball him and there's other teams out there offering him significant money, there's a chance, a chance that he's going to finish his career somewhere else. I'm not saying it's going to happen. And if they want to shut me up, sign the contract. We're eight days away. And as we creep closer and closer to March 14, without that contract, it gets very interesting. It's already interesting. People want to just assume that there's nothing to it. I wouldn't assume that. We'll see what happens. All right, I'm going to call it. Thanks for joining me today on the PFDPM podcast. We'll do it again on Wednesday. Appreciate your questions. Appreciate your your patronage. Appreciate your support of profootballtalk.com. And uh, we'll talk again on Wednesday. See you